Hey, this is Heath Paget, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast. This is episode 23. If this is your first time tuning into the podcast, welcome. My name's Heath, and in 2014, I quit my job in software sales, bought an RV off Craigslist to go on a year-long RV road trip across America with my newlywed wife, Alyssa. After spending a year on the road and traveling to all 50 states, we realized that returning back to life as normal in a 95 job wasn't going to fly, at least not for us. We wanted to keep traveling, living remote, and keep the freedom that this newfound lifestyle offered. As it turns out, not everyone who wanted to live in an RV was a retiree. Take us. Instead of looking for another job, we spent 2015 building up a remote income through our online business and freelance video skills. And right now, it's 2016, and on this podcast, I share everything thing that I'm currently learning as we continue to build up our business from the road, as well as bring on guests each week to talk about how they've made the transition into living full-time on the road and running their business from their RV. Unlike a lot of business-related podcasts that you might find, the entrepreneurs who I bring on the show aren't millionaires and making oogles of money. They're just normal people who have started remote-based businesses with income streams that allow them to work from anywhere and travel the world. In fact, most of the guests who I've had on the RV Entrepreneur don't have the desire to maximize every bit of their time to earn more money. Instead, they want to have the freedom to enjoy their travels and live on significantly less than they earn and live a life on their own terms. As corny as that sounds, that's exactly true to the kind of people who I bring on the show and the kind of people who like to listen to this podcast. Right now, I'm sitting in our RV in Alberta, Canada, actually, in a popular Canadian national park called Banff, which is gorgeous. I recommend anybody come up here and check it out, which is fitting because today's interview is with a Canadian named David Couillard. David is a self-proclaimed digital strategist, but he's also started a couple other companies. One is an eco-friendly dog poop business that is currently being sold all over the world, and another is a drop-shipped hard camera case business. David travels with his family of three in their Airstream, and they've been on the road now for almost two years. In this podcast episode, we cover the story behind why David started his eco-friendly doggy poop bag business, how he's built up a successful dropshipping business selling hard camera cases, and how other people can get started with dropshipping as well. And we both talk about our struggle with staying productive amidst a crazy, aggressive travel schedule. Let's get into today's episode with David. All right, we're live. What's up, David? Uh, doing good. How about you, Eat? Good, man. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. All right. It's a pleasure. And where are you at right now? Uh, we're in Montreal in our home, home place. Uh, we're leaving soon, though. Uh, we like to be here. We really like you know, our city. We haven't left it because we didn't like it. It was just to get into this uh, new adventure. But uh, yeah, we, we can't wait to be in the, in the west of Canada right now. You guys uh, hit the road the 1st of August in 2014. So what have you been doing since then? Have you guys been traveling around uh, mostly in Canada, in your Airstream, or, or what, is, what does y'all's travel look like? We haven't done much of Canada, actually. We went east uh, just before that, that you know, uh, August 1st, 2014. We tried it for a month. That was our first test. Bridget was pregnant at that, at that time. We didn't have our son. So we went uh, east of Canada uh, around Gaspé and we loved it. So Bridget got, she was pregnant. We got the baby and waited eight months. And on August 1st, 2014, we left Montreal and went all the way down to the U.S. right away. We uh, came down on the east side. Uh, it was pretty fast, went all the way down to Florida, then the south of the U.S., and then we met some people in California. Actually, they were organizing uh, some kind of a 
a meeting for the first time we were going to be boondocking. So we were like, let's meet oh, these wow. guys. Let's try this out. And <laughs> we just drove the whole south of the U.S. pretty quickly, actually, maybe in a month. And we got to, the, oh, to wow. California and uh, we met these people. So we went up to San Francisco. Uh, it was getting cold. So we came back down to California for a little while and met some other people who were actually going to Baja in uh in Mexico. So we were like, yeah, okay, let, instead of going back to Canada, because we, we're Canadians, you know, we, we have only six months in the US uh, that, that yeah. we can spend. So we had to either uh, get out from the north or from the south. Uh, so we decided to go south all the way to Baja. So we were supposed to be there for two months, but we stayed there for six months, actually. Uh, it was so much oh, fun. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's so cheap. The food is, is good. People are nice. Uh, weather is nice. Uh, we left right before the hurricanes, actually. So we uh, we came back through the U.S. for a few months, and uh, we came back to Canada, actually to to Quebec for winter, uh, and uh, you know just to see the family a little bit. Uh, my son was growing fast. Uh, grandmothers wanted to see him, so <laughs> it was just nice to be be here for them. But uh, it's been too long now. We we want to get back on the road. We're actually in the airstream. Well, I mean, we are in the, the condo here in Montreal that we have, but we have the airstream too. So we're just switching from the airstream to the condo, just doing yeah. both at the same time. But just being in our our little home is is so nice. Can't wait to be back on the road now. <laughs> So you guys were just camping on the beach in Mexico? Uh, we did some camping on the beach, especially when we were driving down. Uh, you know, it, it takes about 25 hours if you're doing it kind of slowly because we have our son. We usually don't drive more than three hours with him. You know, he's stuck in his little seat there in the back, so it's, it's not fun for him. So we try to stop every three hours and we stick in a few places for maybe a day or two, uh, camping on the beach or either renting some little, you know, hotels or condo hotels, uh, it's like six, ten bucks a day. It's pretty cheap. So uh, you get a little bit of Wi-Fi, can get some work done, and then uh, kept on going. But we mainly stayed in Todos Santos, which is a, a little uh, ciudad, a little city down in uh, at the south there. So we stayed there for for the whole time, mostly just driving around, but mostly in in Todos Santos. Yeah, I love it. It looks like. Uh talking about kind of the work that you've been doing for the past 15 years. We talked about this a little bit before we jumped on, but it looks like you've had a lot of different business ventures, everything from doggy poop bags to being a, a digital marketer. So what exactly is the work that you do primarily? Uh, well, today in 2016, I, I kind of call myself a digital strategist, I'd say. You know, it, it, it all started uh, as a, uh, I studied in advertising actually. And back in school, it was mostly print stuff that we were doing. The web was just starting when I finished uh, uh, college. So uh, once I, I got out of college, I, I started getting some uh, requests for websites back then. So I didn't know how to do websites at that time. I just started reading books. And I, I, w I, would, I would tell those uh, potential clients that I could do websites. So I, I would just read books do the websites for them. I started getting into it. So I, I, I was a website designer, eventually evolved to a website developer, just learning more and more how to create more complex websites. Uh, I've, I've worked in advertising agencies as uh, you know, uh, art director and such, uh, but I was always working a little bit on the side also as a freelancer. So uh, eventually I, I just started on my own, doing all my, my own stuff uh, for almost 15 years, doing photography, uh, web design, web development. Uh, and I started 
playing with e-commerce eventually, just selling uh, dog collars because I was into dogs. I, I had four dogs at that time working for a nonprofit organization for dog adoptions and stuff, uh, doing their website, photography for them. So I was just jumping here and there, you know. Um, but so you, you were just photographing all of these cute dogs and you just couldn't stand it. You had to take them home with hey, you. It's, it's pretty hard, you know, I mean, <laughs> no, I can yeah, imagine. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I've got a, a really a good hunch for uh, black dogs also, and they're really hard to adopt usually cause they, they don't stand out really good on pictures. So it's like people will, will adopt dogs because they see a nice picture of it. So usually that's what I would do. I would just go there and, uh, take some nice shots of them and then put them up, uh, on the website. So. But yeah, I started doing dog collars online. I started selling those. So I, I was trying to do my own businesses like this, you know. And eventually, uh, I got this idea of doing some, some uh, eco-friendly poop bags because I was using some of those that were eco-friendly already, but the packaging was not that nice. Uh, the way they were showing themselves as marketing, it, it didn't look like it was an eco-friendly bag, you know. So I went to one of my clients uh, who was actually a friend also who was importing uh, furnitures from, the, from China. I said, do you think we could do bags in China? You know, I got this idea of maybe, you know, redoing the whole branding for a bag like this. So uh, he's a real businessman. So we kind of mixed together. I, I built a whole brand, uh, website and stuff. And uh, in, in, well, it's been five years now and the business really doing well. So that was one of the ventures that I started with him. Uh, at the same time, I also started a, another e-commerce website with a client uh, that was selling, actually a manufacturer just right up north of uh, Montreal here. They sell hard cases, which are cases for, you know, bringing your, your gear, protecting cameras and, and stuff like that. So a bit like the Pelican gear that most people know about, except the ones that I sell are actually called Nanook. So this company had a website. I, I approached them because I thought their website needed help. Uh, I had a friend over there who was working, so I had a contact. Uh, I got in touch with the, one of the owners, and uh, they were not ready for their website, so I just, you know, I just jumped on it. I asked them, you know, what if I would do my own website and sell those cases online? Would you, would you get me, a, you know, a distributor price? So he was like, yeah, sure, why not? So started like that so it's been five years now uh almost the same time that i started uh earthrid poop bags with uh with my partner so so are you still actually bringing on and working doing client work or is most of your revenue that you've created from your businesses supporting you guys are you still finding new clients for, for building websites and things like that um right now I, I still have uh clients websites that i i sometimes build but it's mostly like uh, recurring revenue where I, uh, I'm, I'm going to be their webmaster kind of thing. You know, I'm just helping them with uh, adding more stuff to the website or changing it a little bit. You know, they, they, most of those companies, sometimes they need somebody to, to be helping them with improving the website's efficiency or uh, just making it more mobile friendly eventually or, you know, maybe creating some kind of a landing page to uh, target a specific kind of market and try to get some leads. Uh, and sometimes what I'll do is I'll, I'll do some uh, recurring revenue with them. So monthly, I'll, I'm going to send them some of their uh, stats from their website and suggest maybe some changes on the website, how to improve those stats. So uh, sometimes they'll, they'll jump on that. And uh, so, yeah, I still do uh, work for my clients. Uh, I'm not looking for new clients because I, I, I stay pretty busy and uh, hard cases is, is growing fast also. So I'm, I'm spending a, a little bit more time on that because I like it. It's, you know, it's 
your own business. So it's much nicer to work on your own than working on somebody else's business. But uh, having those clients also just makes me, you know, a little bit more active and it keeps you fresh because, you know, working on the same thing over and over again also could, you know, uh, make you a little bit dry. Uh, you're not, you know, trying to find new ideas and, and maybe apply them to some other businesses instead. It's always the same kind of clients you're looking for. So I like having these different uh, targets or, or different projects at the same time. So totally. How big uh, have those two companies uh, grown, both the uh, camera gear cases and also the eco-friendly poop bags? Uh, the poop bag is pretty big. I'm actually now I'm, I'm a silent partner in the business. Because when we uh, we left Montreal, actually before leaving Montreal, we, we wanted to do this trip. You know, we wanted to be on the road. So uh, my partners felt like uh, I, I didn't have that passion anymore. It had been three years. Uh, I had to go to the office. We have employees and all. So I didn't feel like being in, uh, in, uh, in the business anymore. So I sold some of my shares and became a silent partner. But the business has been growing. Like in the last two years, uh, my partners, been, they have been doing an amazing job with, with uh, the brand. Uh, I'm, I'm really impressed where it is right now. It's, it's pretty much a worldwide brand, I'd say. We sell in, in all over like, the world, actually. So Japan, uh, <laughs> Europe. And uh, so it's, it's a pretty good business for poop bags. And it's slowly evolving to other products that are related to poop bags. So it's, uh, that's, that's pretty big. Uh, for the hard cases, I'd say it's, it's a nice business to have as a, maybe as a, as a solo owner. Because right now I, I do drop shipping, so I don't own my own uh, stuff. So I don't have a lot of expenses related to that. I, I do rank well. I do take care of my clients. And I like having that uh, uh, personal approach with them. You know, I know my clients who buy from me. They love that I'm the owner and I'm taking care of their, you know, their order. If there's a problem, I'm the one taking care of everything. I, I do have help from the manufacturer at the, at the same time. They do ship for me, but it's just that, you know, I'm the one taking the blame for stuff uh, if it happens. Uh, so this business is, is pretty good for, for a solo entrepreneur, I'd say. So, yeah, I've, I've looked into doing a lot of I've looked into doing drop shipping before just on Amazon and things like that, because it's very intriguing business for an RVer mm -hmm. because you don't have to actually have inventory on hand. You can just ship it out uh, from a warehouse if you're working with Amazon or like you if you find a company that's already selling them and you're just reselling them. So how many if you if you don't mind sharing, how many cases do you average on shipping out per month? Is that a would you say that's like an eighth or a tenth of your total revenue? Uh, um, just trying to better understand your business. Uh, right now, if, if I'm, you know, if I split my, my main revenues, which is, uh, you know, my, my personal uh, uh, web development uh, business and hard cases, they both have like 50-50 uh, like of my revenue total, I'd say. Uh, so the hard cases right now, I, w I, I approximate about five or six orders per day uh, like these last few weeks, uh, like beginning 2016 has been pretty good. Like I've, I've grown 150%. So I don't know exactly what I'm doing right. Uh, I guess my ranking is good. My service is good. So I get more reviews and such. I know this helps a lot, but uh, the growth has been pretty impressive for that kind of business right now, especially that I thought that, you know, drop shipping would just uh, go down even more eventually because of Amazon and, uh, you know, the manufacturer selling it himself on Amazon also. But uh, uh, so far, uh, if, if you want numbers, I'd say... Uh, uh, Per three months, I'm averaging ninety thousand dollars in sales with uh, with uh, hard cases. So, 
So wow, yeah. But I mean, it's not all profit. I'm doing dropship at that at that point, you know. So and and shipping is a little bit expensive for those cases sometimes. So I'm sure yeah. they're heavy. Yeah. yeah, I've I've picked up and handled a lot of those cases so, before. Yeah. So I, I get it. There, I mean, a lot of people don't um, really understand all the opportunities with dropshipping. Can so can you explain this for if anybody's listening that they don't really know what is dropshipping and how do you learn about getting into something like this? I mean, what all goes into creating that dropship business that you started? Um, I personally got into a product that I really liked at first, you know. So this was really important to me, so I could you know deal with it for after five years. I still have interest into it, and I still have. You know, uh, I still want to uh, help my clients finding the right case for them because eventually you can get, you know, really tired. If you want to get into drop, sh- drop shipping uh, screws, if you're not into screws, you, you can get bored pretty quickly. I mean, it could be a, a good business that you'll want to automate and maybe spend four, four hours a week on it and just hire, a, you know, maybe a, a few full time employees to take care of all the customer service. But as a, as a the drop shipping business can be easy to start but it's hard to maintain because eventually you get comp- competition that comes in. You know, uh, you don't need a lot of money to start dropshipping because you don't have to buy any inventory that the, the manufacturer is going to ship for you. But if at that point other competitors can get into the business also, if the, if the manufacturer is not taking care of, of, of limiting the, the prices or if he takes anybody that comes in for dropshipping uh, asking for it, uh, and if the manufacturer also sells himself online, you know, so you're competing against all these people and you don't really have any advantages on pricing if everybody gets the same price for dropshipping. So right. uh, the only way to either compete is with excellent customer service uh, or, you know, being there before a lot of people so you can kind of, you know, build a good uh, SEO online and be there in front or add something extra. Maybe like for myself, you know, for the future, I'm thinking of, of creating maybe accessories that I would, I would do myself in China maybe, you know. Uh, so that, that, that would help, you know, com- uh, you know, build maybe options on cases that nobody else could, could have unless they would create a product like, like mine in China also, which add that little uh, difficulty level for most people. They don't want to you know, deal with China or have to invest money at that point either. But dropshipping is great uh, as an experience uh, also just to start selling online. Uh, you, just, you just open up uh, a Shopify uh, website and start using, you know, at first you can use the manufacturer's pictures, but if you want to stand out, eventually you create your own pictures of your own products, your own descriptions and such, and just try to find something that, uh, that makes you different in, in that kind of business, you know. But, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people think that, that dropshipping is easy to start, which it can be, but then the continuing dropshipping, and especially with the Amazon competition that comes out right now, a lot of people are shopping for price. So you really have to have some kind of an experience or added value for people. If your product is really complicated and people have to make choices, if you can help them do these choices, uh, you could have that advantage that Amazon would not be able to give. You know, they, they won't give any uh, that kind of service to people, how to choose uh, a case and how to customize it or things like that. So... Totally. What would you say is one of the the biggest obstacles or barriers just to getting into a dropshipping business? Just finding a product that you want to sell that's not oversaturated. I I'd say so. Yeah, uh, something like that, or maybe finding a, a manufacturer that can also uh, be you know be up for the all the shipments. Sometimes it's hard because some some manufacturers are not uh, used to get 
you know, uh, orders from uh, one or two products at the, at the time, these manufacturers might be selling like huge volumes and having one or two bees, they might decide to only ship every three days for you or they might forget your orders. So then you're dependent on that manufacturer at the same time. So you can control that. If you have the budget, you could be buying from that manufacturer at a lower price and then storing those uh, products inside, you know, uh, uh, self-fulfillment or something like that. Or even Amazon can, can do that for you if, if you want to do uh, some Amazon work. But I would suggest always to have your own website at the same time where you're building because you never know what might happen if you're selling just on Amazon your your dropship product or your own product. Totally. Because you don't you don't own that store. Amazon owns it, exactly. right? Exactly. So yeah. Something I've I've looked so I've looked into doing Amazon fulfillment as well, doing something in the R V market because that's where I am, that's what I live all the time. And so what I looked at doing was uh sewer hoses mm-hmm. because there's uh there's one company out there, I think they're called Rhino, who yeah. owns a lot of R V sewer hoses and they're they're good. But if you look at it, there's not a really clear number two or number three person who's in that market. Mm-hmm. So I thought about getting into the poop business as well, but I ha- but I haven't really taken that that step because you you know it's like you always have so many ideas that for things that you want to do, but you have to just say no. I got to finish one thing, and then maybe this will be something that's a few months down the road because you just can only put on so much. Yeah, know? but that's that's good also. I mean, uh, they usually there's suggestions of people out there that say you should get into a business that nobody else really want to get into. Like if you're doing those those poop pipes, it's it's not a fun <laughs> business. They say poop pipe. I don't know. <laughs> That's funny. I like that name. <laughs> but if you're doing that kind of business, a lot of people they they they're not into that. You know, it's not fun to talk about it at a, at a party. You know, I'm 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 into poop pipe, pipes or anything like that. So it, it I, th- I think that's awesome yeah. conversation. <laughs> it, 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 like the poop bags was usually a funny conversation. Most people wouldn't think that you know a business can grow out of of a product like that. So, but but it can. A- any other any product can can be sold at a you know tiny level. If if it's only for you at the same time, you know, starting a dropship business is something that can sustain, you know, a, a solo or a small family. Sometimes it, it's nice to be able to do this. You don't have to start a, a huge company with, you know, tons of employees. You know, that's that's the fun with, with dropshipping also at the same time. I love that. And I have a, I have a friend, uh, her name's Kelsey. She did uh, full-time RVing for a long time with her family. And then she went to college, got a job, and she wanted to be kind of go do the normal thing. And then she realized she wasn't crazy about doing the normal thing. She wants to get back into an RV. And so she started just buying toys at Toys R Us uh, when they were on clearance and reselling them on Amazon. And I talked to her last weekend, and she did $500 in sales. And she's still going to get her master's right now. But uh, there are some low lower entry levels, if I'm not mistaken, for ways that people can just kind of learn how to start seeing opportunities to sell products and how to ship them out. And there's kind of those entry level skills that you that you probably have learned a long time ago. But, you know, if people are trying to figure out how to get into drop shipping, there's there's ways that you can easily start doing this. Like it's yeah. not super complicated. No, right? like you're no, saying. not at all. And and you'll find out that there's a lot of, of big mark, uh, uh, big places like uh, uh, manufacturers out there, sorry, big manufacturers out there that, that they don't have that distribution level or they, store, they only sell in stores and they don't have any, anywhere to sell uh, online, you know, or they're not good at it. So if, if you're already, you know, uh, into the, the web stuff and you know how to build a small store or you, you just go on Shopify and create one easily, uh, you, you can find these, uh, these manufacturers or, or, or uh, lack of, of knowledge from the big ones, the big guys out there and, and just do your own on, on the side, you know, and, and do enough money to live on an RV or live on the road for sure. 
Yeah, I love that. With the with the poop bags, are you guys did y'all start off drop shipping those as well, or did you all are you, are those bags that you guys actually make, or did you find a manufacturer who was making them and then do add ons, or is it the bags that were just created by the manufacturers? How did you guys go about that business? Yeah, the bags were different. We we had we started with fifty thousand dollars and we created the, our own bag. We we bought our you know we bought these bags from a manufacturer in China. And uh, we, we got our first container uh, after uh, a month or two already. We, we were really quick. You know, the, the idea was just to get into the market. So we started trade shows and stuff. So that's, that's a different business. It takes time. You, it's hard to RV doing the, the poop bag business, I'd say. You know, it's at a different level. Until it got up and running, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean now yeah. I do it because I sold some of my shares and I'm a, I'm a silent partner. But my partners are still at the office. You know, they, they're still working that business. So, yeah, I'm interested. I want to, I want to get into talking about the traveling component in a minute. This podcast is always, we're always jumping back and forth from business to travel, but that's fun. Cause those are the things that I, I love the most, uh, other than my wife and, and all that good <laughs> stuff, of course, <laughs> I feel like I always have to, you always have to throw that out there. You know what I mean? You catch yeah. yourself. Uh, anyway, so you were, you started 15 years ago, uh, leaving an agency and doing your own thing, getting clients, uh, helping them build websites and make better designs and things like that. So what, at what point did you start wanting to create more businesses on top of that? Did you have a desire to get out of doing client work? You know, what, you know, what was that process like? Because I know for a lot of people who are probably listening to this podcast, they're thinking they're trying to figure out ways that they can earn an income while they're going out on the road and clients are a great way to do that because you figure out how to serve one client and then they can just multiply mm-hmm. and you get referrals and you keep doing good work for people. And a lot of times, like you said, you don't even know how to do the work before you get started. You know, you didn't know how to build a website before you got your first client. You just read a book and then you just got more clients and it's not rocket science. Uh, so what was that process that you went through from just doing client work to actually wanting to start businesses and what made you want to do that? Um, yeah, I, th- I think what you're saying is that, uh, you know, having a service business is, is a great way to get into the, the product business afterwards. You know, it, it, it helps you uh, gather some money at the same time if you have some investments to do. I mean, even with dropshipping, you still have to pay for your website, either design or, or you know, monthly fees. But uh, I think that I, I personally started just having this idea, the first one that really got into it, it was the, the, the dog collar thing, you know? I'm like, you know, let, let me buy some of those nice dog collars and sell them back here. I, I bought the domain dogcollars.ca and I thought it was a good idea. I, I just jumped into it. Sometimes I think people have this idea and they think about it for so long that it never gets done. So uh, at that time when I started dog collars, there were not a lot of information about people starting businesses online. I mean, I was into it, I was seeing it, but there were no blog posts about people talking about their numbers or there were no Amazon, you know, just that's, that's like all people talk about now is starting online businesses. Yeah. That's the thing now <laughs> it, it's, it's everywhere. So it, it feels like the more info you have, the more you wait, you're just like taking so much, but you're not doing anything. So it's like information paralysis. You're just spinning your wheels. Yeah. And overload. That's it. I, I have that sometimes on other little projects that I'd like to get into, but I also have less time because I'm, I'm working on so many things. But I think like the, the hard cases website was just like jump on it. I was there to build a website for that manufacturer and they were like, we don't need a website right now. I'm like, and I just jumped on it. I'm like, okay, let me, let me do a website for you. And I built that website in less than a week, you know, because I, I had this opportunity. It came out. It just felt right. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's a gut feeling kind of thing. 
And uh, it's hard to say that I, I had, I thought about it for three years to build a business, but I, I did not, you know. Same thing for poop bags. I was walking my dogs this mor that morning and the next day I was in my friend's office talking about poop bags. This guy was selling, uh, you know, furnitures and, 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 and pool tables. It, it doesn't even relate. He had a dog. I had dogs, but we just, we just like, there's, there's a market for that. I've done a few research. I think this, we could do better than that. There's tons of products out there that you, you feel like there's like a, a lack somewhere. You know, if only that product had this. Well, you know, just jump on it. Maybe you can do it. Just do a few research, check online and, and, you know, go with your guts. So I think gut feeling is good at that point. From, from a design standpoint, uh, other than building websites, I'm sure you do a lot. You've done a lot of logo designs and things like that for clients, right? Yeah. Back then, especially when I was, I, I was doing a mix of, of web and, and print, but eventually I, I, I didn't, uh, get into branding that much. I was just, you know, I liked it. I did it for myself, but I, I was mostly building websites for clients who already had a brand and, and logos and such. So. Totally. It, it probably gave you a little bit of an advantage, though, because you're looking at products and you're looking at a, an eco-friendly dog bag and you're like, hey, this works, but it doesn't look and feel like an eco-friendly dog bag can be better designed. Yeah. And it's probably the same way with a lot of other things. I've, I've heard that a lot. You know, with drop shipping, it's like even if there's a product out there, you can take that same product and just, quote unquote, outmarket them design better, create better branding, and ultimately do better than the original person who created whatever it was. Exactly. There's tons of products out there that have, are great, but people are not focusing much on marketing. They're just, you know, a little bit slow. And you know that by yourself, you could outrank them pretty quickly just because you have a better idea. Like you said, you know, you could brand it differently or, or offer something, you know, maybe combine it with another product that would create some kind of a bundle and that bundle is hard to get because people would have to either create that extra product or have the contacts that you got for that extra product, you know? So like you could, you could kind of create that robot building different pieces together and, and make it easier for people to order, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it probably feels good having income come in that wasn't work that you did that day, you know, having like uh -huh. you get an order today and it's like, Hey, you just made $25 on this case that shipped. Yeah. That's funny. Cause I'm in a mastermind with other e-commerce uh, people. Uh, every Wednesday we meet, uh, uh, on, uh, uh, on the web. And, uh, like the last question we got was like, what do you guys do? You know, once you, uh, every day, you know, after work, cause we don't spend like 12 hours a day all, all the time on this kind of business. So to, for myself is that when I wake up in the morning and if before noon, I'm already, I've already hit my, my goal, you know, my, my numbers, you know, I can kind of take off. It, it becomes so easy. Sometimes I'm just, okay, let me stand up and just go walk the dogs. My, my day is fine right now. You know, I've got my numbers. So that's, uh, that's definitely something fun about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's a place where I would love to be uh, in the near future is being able to just have that business that's that's bringing in that revenue, just in the small amount of income that I started making off a couple of affiliate blogs that I've wrote that have been residual income each month. It feels so nice to have had that delayed income where it comes in and I'm not actively working on it. Mm -hmm. But let's let's talk more about travel because I want to you you were guys were on the road for a year and a half uh, last year and then you came back home for Christmas and you're selling your condo and then y'all are hitting the road again in the Airstream. Mm -hmm. So you've you've done the whole RV entrepreneur thing for a, a little while and you've got this experience of traveling around and trying to figure out how to balance life and building a business on the road. So uh, I would love to hear 
what <laughs> did your business change at all from before you guys hit the road to when you were traveling full time? Like, was there anything that that changed during that process? Um, I would say that my service business has slowed down a little bit. You know, I, w- I was not pushing it as much. If I, it feels like when you're in, in a city where in Montreal, you know, uh, it feels like you're, you're meeting with your clients a little bit more. You're, you're, you're meeting with other people that are a little bit more in the, in the business mind more than the, in the travel mind. So for sure, you know, I, I felt like I, I kind of let down on that uh, uh, working on the business instead of working in the business. I kept working w- for my clients, you know, kept you know, emailing them and, and doing some calls, but I didn't find any other new business at the same time. So I could, I could see that uh, revenue going down a little bit, but then I would spend a little bit more time on, on my hard cases website. Uh, so which, you know, would compensate on both sides, but, uh, traveling is, is, uh, is nice because you can control a little bit more of your, uh, your expenses at the same time also, which, uh, you know, I was kind of almost doing the same kind of money that I was doing, uh, before traveling and I could put a lot more on, uh, you know, in, in, uh, in savings. And I was like, I don't need to work that much, you know? So at the same time, maybe I, I didn't work that much on, on my business, on the service business, but, uh, it, it didn't really affect my men- mental state. You know, I was like, that's fine. I, I still have more money than I, I used to when I was down in the city spending for coffees, you know, in the morning and in the yeah. afternoon and, and restaurants and such, you know, <laughs> so it, it made a big difference there. What was, I mean, what was the actual draw for you guys? I don't think I asked this in the beginning. What was the actual draw for you guys to actually buy an RV and, and travel? I mean, what were you, what was going through y'all's head that you said, hey, I want to buy an RV and go hit the road and, and do this? Uh, you know, we, we were looking on Airbnb to, uh, to travel maybe to Europe. So we were checking for places and we saw these airstreams that you can rent in, in the mountains of, uh, of Spain. So we were, oh man, these are great, you know? So <laughs> we already had thought, you know, of maybe traveling uh, west to Can- like through Canada with uh, maybe a, a small uh, Westphalia or something. We didn't have a baby at that time, only the dogs, you know? And, and traveling with dogs a little bit hard because you can't really put them on a plane back and forth. You, you could, but it, it gets expensive. One of my dogs really old. So I'm like, yeah, we, we have to stay in, in North America. So we, we could eventually maybe have one RV or, or some kind of a Westphalia thing, you know, and, and try to do that trip. But um, I was working at poo bags at that time, you know, at arthritis poo bags. So I, I couldn't take that, that time off. So what I suggested to my partners at that time was like, you know, guys, uh, let me do some kind of a marketing coup. Let's let, let me buy that, uh, Westphalia painted in green with our dogs on, uh, dog on it and just go and see our distributors throughout Canada. Cause we, we started in Canada selling our poop bags and we're like, uh, you know, we want you here. you are not, not sure you can go. So eventually that idea of traveling just got into us and I'm like, you know, I'm, I, I, I hate being in the office. And then we, we got the, we got into the airstreams because we saw them in the mountains and Bridget got pregnant and like, we can't really go with two dogs and a baby in, in a small, uh, Westphalia. So let, let's get a small airstream instead. So yeah, it's, it started from there. So it's crazy how just that seed, you know, you start thinking about it and it just, it's almost consuming because I think for everyone is different. But for me, I was just sitting in the office looking at Instagram profiles of people who are traveling full time. And I'm just thinking, man, that looks awesome. And I want to do that. And you start thinking about it. And then it's just like every minute for me, it was like every minute that, and I'm being dramatic, but every minute that I 
was sitting in the office, I just felt like I was wasting my life. And I, and I know that's totally being a drama queen, but it's true. That's what I was feeling in that moment. And um, yeah, I totally get You're it. You're right. And you said planting the seed. It's funny because once you start thinking about it, it feels like you see it everywhere. I mean, you're, you're, it's kind of a magnet, you know, when, when you want to buy that new car, it seems like it's everywhere. Now you're just looking at, you know, it, that's the new car. But then traveling, you went online, you went on Instagram, started just following people who were traveling. It feels like you're part of it almost, you know, and you're so, getting so close, so close to it. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like the more that you hear of people who are doing it, the more it seems within reason to do. Yeah. Because we want to make excuses that I'm too old or I'm too young or I don't have the skill set. But then you hear about these people who are doing it who have perhaps less skills and uh, knowledge than you or who are younger or older or whatever, you know, you want to say. And then you're like, OK, maybe I don't have that many excuses to, to go and do it. Um, and, and I know that we all come from different backgrounds, too. And that's the thing is I was having this conversation with somebody the other day. And uh, I always say, you know, like before we were hitting the road, there was this thought of what is the worst thing that could happen for us? And one of the worst case scenarios was that we uh, spent a bunch of money didn't finish our trip and had to come back home and get a job. And I was like, okay, I can live with that. But also, you know, to uh, just kind of play devil's advocate, we had also, we have two loving families and who, if the worst, worst case scenario happened, we couldn't get jobs, they would take us in. And I know that's not fair to say that for everyone, the worst case scenario is that job. You know, I know that not everyone has that, that cushion. So I don't know. That's just something that, 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 that I've been thinking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyway, um, so what has been one of the, the hardest parts of running your business from the road while you guys have been traveling in the Airstream? Um, when we started that, that adventure, we were, uh, coming down from the East side, uh, going South. And I think we were running so quickly, like every three days, just moving around so fast. That was the hardest part that I felt for work because I couldn't, I couldn't stop and, and concentrate on, on my on my work because I need that time, you know. I mean, our son was still really young at eight months old, but uh, in a small space with the dogs and, and just stopping and, and setting up the, the Airstream and then, uh, you know, just taking the time to eat a little bit. I didn't have time to work enough. So that was the hardest part for me just to, to get into my work, just being able to stay there and get us not a full routine, but get in some kind of routine, you know, where you kind of wake up in the morning, it's relaxed, you don't have to think about, uh, you know, uh, leaving before 11 or whatever. Uh, we could just could take my coffee, you know, and think about my, the work that I'm going to be doing and then do this for a few days just to be able to get into some of the more complicated work that I, I had to do, you know, or else I was just uh, extinguishing fire, I'd say, you know, just checking my emails, answering a few emails, uh, questions and such, you know, and hoping for sales to come in because I was not focusing on my client's work at all, you know. So, but, uh, and besides that, uh, I guess for, for a Canadian, I, I guess it was just setting our dates right, you know, being able to spend as much time for those six months in the U.S. and then figuring out where we would be at that time because we didn't want to drive like crazy with the baby either. But after uh, slowing down and spending, you know, at least a week in every area that we were at, maybe a month sometime, you know, in, in the, the places we really like, like California or around, uh, uh, it's just getting that routine in, I think, because it's, it's a lifestyle. You, you don't want to yeah. take it as if it's, it's a, uh, you know, just going on, on a vacation. It's a lifestyle. You have to, to think that this is your home, you're, wherever you're, you're stopping for, you know, you take the time to uh, enjoy the people around, the new areas, just, 
you know, try to learn about that new uh, grocery place, you know, and, and be there a few times, go to that little coffee shop if you want to work or something, just get comfortable wherever you, you are and, and live it instead of just being there as a vacationer. Yeah, I agree. And whenever I'm interested to hear, because my, my, my circles on travel days as well, you know, if you drive three, three to five hours, which we try to never drive more than five hours, uh, it zaps you. I mean, you get to where you want to be and I have this long list of things I want to get done and I'm just, I'm, I'm really pooped. Yeah. And how do you, how do you structure that? Do you work before you guys hit the road for the day or after? Uh, how does, how do you typically do I'm that? I'm a night worker. Uh, I'm a night owl. Uh, I know that once, once the dogs are asleep, the baby is asleep and the, the girlfriend's asleep, uh, then I can do a lot more work and concentrate on it. And that's what I figured, you know, being on the road, which it, it, this is something that I eventually uh, got good at is, is to focus on the work, you know, instead of having the full day at home, uh, for let's say eight or 10 hours, uh, whichever how many hours you work, uh, I, w I would just not accomplish as much as I can, you know, knowing that I have maybe two or three hours only to do, to do work today. So being able to focus uh, was actually something great that uh, happened throughout uh, this adventure. Yeah, I love it. I, I want to I wanna selfishly switch gears because I noticed that on your Instagram, you take some epic photos. <laughs> And I want to I want to just pick your brain on how to take better photos because I I want to learn you know what kind of equipment do you use Do you have any photography tips for beginners just on how to get more practice uh, Well, I've I've done photography for a while. I studied when I was studying in advertising. We had some photography class, and I knew that this was something I liked because I was doing it when I was really young actually. And eventually, I'm like you know this is this isn't my blood. But uh, I I had a, a studio in Montreal just before we we left. Also, so I was doing uh, studio photos, uh, uh, working with clients sometimes, you know, building their website, but also doing photography for them. But um, on the road, it's, it, it feels so easy to start doing pictures because you see those amazing, you know, uh, landscapes and, and you're, you're into a mood where you feel like there's a moment right there that I, I want to remember, <laughs> you know. And having our child growing so fast was also a good, you know, a good, you know, excuse for me to start doing a lot more pictures of him because it, it, it really goes fast. But um, as a tip, uh, I, I work a lot with my iPhone, actually. Uh, and I also have some good cameras that I sometimes take pictures pictures with. Uh, but I'd say that 80% of the time it's an iPhone picture on my Instagram and it's, it's all about the light, you know, uh, wait for the right light, you know, it, it, it's hard to, uh, explain more than that, but I, I would say a lot of people will, will try to, uh, to take a picture, but if the light's not good, the picture might not never be as good as it, as it should, you know. So uh, end of days, beginning of days before the sun comes up, you know, that the golden hour kind of thing. It's kind of, I mean, we do have it easy when, when we're on the road and we see these uh, beautiful sunsets and those moments. But uh, yeah, you, you can definitely find some, some good light uh, throughout this kind of adventure. Do you find yourself taking most of your photos either at the golden hour, beginning or end of day? Uh I think so. I mean, there's there's always ways. Also, you can take a, a great photo in mi middle of the day. You know, you can find a some kind of a middle shade, a uh, great reflection from maybe you know you're down into a street and there's a reflection from a, a, a window or something that just catches your light. When you see this nice light, just just go and shoot. You know, and you know on the iPhone it, it becomes a little bit easier. Also, there's like that uh, uh, like a strobe shoot where you just 
let your your finger on the button it starts shooting and out of those hundred pictures there's one that's going to be good you know that <laughs> that's the trick with a lot of pro photographers they they shoot a lot they shoot a lot of pictures you you'd think that they have this one shot that they did that day that was good but it they had like thousands of shots maybe throughout the day and they, they took they chose that one so the the top photographers out there will really select the right one and, and retouch it just a little bit you know uh, so I like to use also a VSCO a ViscoCam which is a nice uh, way to just add a little bit of uh, uh, uniqueness to your your shot so that's another okay, tip ViscoCam yeah yes okay yeah I'll yeah. put that in the show notes awesome well uh Real quick, why did you guys choose you chose the Airstream because it it looked the best or it looked cool? I mean, what was what was kind of the thoughts going into picking the Airstream? Uh, on that thought was actually, you know, we we didn't know if we were going to be liking being on an in an RV, you know, living this kind of uh, life. Uh, so in Quebec, it's really hard to find those Airstreams, especially used ones. You can find some new ones, but they're expensive. So uh, my my thought was like if if we buy uh, uh, an RV new or something like that it would be hard to resell afterwards if we don't like it you know after six months using it and then you know it's brand new and you're losing a lot of money so I'm like let's let's find a used Airstream that you know is is really hard to find usually so I knew that if we didn't like it we could pretty much easily sell the Airstream pretty quickly because it's just like, uh, you know, Harley Davidson's people are into them. They love those, those yeah. motorcycles. So the Airstreams, I mean, there's other RVs that are similar to that, but uh, I know Airstream people uh, are really into it. And I mean, we liked it. And after a year and a half, we thought we could get maybe a, a bigger one because we wanted to keep doing this. And our son was taking a little bit more space, you know, with the toys and such. So a 23-footer that, that we had, which was a 2009, uh, that we had purchased in the U.S. actually, uh, was, uh, was getting a little bit too small. So we, we chose to find another used Airstream 27. And actually, when I, I put that Airstream uh, for sale, that 23-footer, I had three phone calls in two days, you know, and all, I already had people wanted to put a, a down payment or, or to, to make sure that they would get it if the first person didn't get it or didn't go through. So I had three people wow. waiting in line for that. So the second one got it, actually, and they flew down from Texas all the way up to Ohio, where we were, to get the Airstream. And we did the exchange there because we got the 27 in, in Ohio. So we actually got through the, the, the problem of importing an Airstream in Quebec. So I knew I could sell it either in Quebec or, or in the U.S. like we did. So that was, that was some kind of a, you know, maybe a practical decision at, at first. You know, I, I knew I would not lose much money, which I didn't actually. In the year, like yeah. the two years that we had it, I almost sold it to the same price that I paid for it. So it was pretty That's good. Awesome. Yeah. And I just have one more question for you, David. What does is, what is success look like for you in this lifestyle? <sighs> Having, you know, not, not, not looking back when I get old and saying that, you know, I, I should have done that. I should have, you know, been on the road. I should have uh, spent more time with my son. Should I spend more time with my dog, my, my girlfriend, uh, meeting these people? I think it's just the regrets. Success is having no regrets, I'd, I'd say. You know, I, I, I've done good money. I still do good money. But to me, it's, it's not about you know, having money right now because I, I know I can do a lot without much and, 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 and love what I do every day. So for me, it's just not having regrets when I, I get older because uh, I'm getting older now. Not that old, but I know I am, and uh, you know, time goes so fast. We only have one life, so I'd say that that's success for me. You know, 
I love it. Well, where can people find out more about you? Uh, well, you, you can check us out on Instagram. It's uh, Journey with Happiness. And uh, I have a website, which is uh, davidcouillard.com, D-A-V-I-D-C-O-U-I-L-L-A-R-D.com. This is just a one landing page. I never had a website on my own, actually, even for my whole business. It was always a landing page. Uh, So, uh, yeah, you can find a few links from there, uh, our Facebook page and stuff. So, Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the show with me, David. It's, It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode with David. To check out the show notes from this episode, head on over to heathpaget.com forward slash episode 23. That's episode spelled out and then the number 23. And if you've been enjoying the show, I'd love to hear from you in iTunes or just shoot me an email. Go to my website at heathpaget.com. Click on the email link at the bottom of the page and shoot me an email. Uh, One of the best ways to help support this podcast uh, and help others find it is to simply leave a review in iTunes, though. Uh, To do that, it's super easy. takes just a minute. You can go to iTunes, search and click on the RV Entrepreneur, and then click Ratings and Reviews at the top bar to leave a review. It just takes a few seconds, and it goes a really long way in helping others find this podcast. I want to thank you guys again for tuning in and I'll see you next week on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast.